years and got here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm a little sad that the Paris International Festival uh, has wrapped up this year. Yeah, I'm producer Dave and uh, I'm sad and glad because uh, it was a lot of work, but yeah, um, it, was a, it was very interesting and very entertaining. Inter interesting and entertaining. It was a lot of work. I mean, we do a lot of work. It was fun work. The, the, all the interviews, and then you—I mean, you did most of the work because you had to then take all those interviews and then chop them up into the episodes that we had, and then go and watch a lot of the uh, the, the films. Just obviously because we've spoken to a lot of the filmmakers, love speaking to all of them, as and you know having the opportunity to then go and see their work and seeing what these talented people across the world. Are actually doing especially during uh, the pandemic that was very interesting for me um so the paris international film festival uh, directed by a uh, friend of the show great friend of the show jenna suru filmmaker in her, in her own right uh, setting up this platform for filmmakers across the world to be able to show their you know showcase their films and have people across the world being able to watch it fantastic work jenna suru we'll probably get her on the show next week so we can chat more to her about how she felt during the uh, the festival, but as a sort of a, as a wrap up for you know the festival, what we're going to do in this particular episode is have 
clips from our interviews, some clips from some of the interviews that we did with some of the winners. So we've picked a small selection of some of the winners from the festival, and we're going to play some. Bruce Davis worked very hard to chop some of the interviews that we had with them. And then we're going to cap today's episode with, uh, the, with an interview that we had with one of our favorite films from last year's event, which is High Score. Uh, and the interview is going to be with Serena Ryan and Ethan Itzkow. By, I'd say by far my favorite film from last year's festival. There were tons of great films last year as well. Um, same thing with this year. But for me, from last year, my personal favorite was the short high school. And we're going to cap off with a new interview with uh, Serena and uh, Ethan, where we're talking about, you know, how they how they felt after they applied to the festival and what they're working on going forward. So that's how we're going to end today's episode. But first, let us jump into talking to some of the winners from the Paris International Film Festival 2022 in our next segment. Film and TV news. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. And I'm producer Dave. And as we're capping off this year's, uh, the 2022's, Paris International Film Festival. We're going to be playing some of the clips from some of the winners from this year's festival. We interviewed them before the festival, during before the festival and during the festival. So we're going to be playing some of the clips from those interviews with some of those winners. We're going to start off with our interview with Martin Gard Albigard, who was who had spoken to us about his feature film, A Beautiful Curse, which won. Best Narrative, uh, Best Cinematographer for Feature, and Best Editing. Here was that interview. Hey, I'm Martin. Uh, great being here. I'm the writer and director of the feature film A Beautiful Curse. And uh, together with me is the amazing Mark Strippen, who is our lead actor playing Samuel in the, in the film. Welcome, Martin. Welcome, Mark. Uh, so let me throw to Martin first. Martin, tell us what A Beautiful Curse is all about. Well, a beautiful, a beautiful Curse is a sort of modern-day fairy tale. It's a story taking place on an island where everyone is falling in a very, very deep sleep, and the authorities has sealed off the entire place while, while they try to figure out what's going on here. Uh, and uh, Samuel, a photographer, is sneaking into this island to, to document uh, this bizarre uh, phenomenon. And uh, in a house, you find the sleeping Stella, which he finds very interesting. And he soon discovers that this sleeping phenomenon is much more personal than uh, first expected. So you said fantasy, is that sort of like doing a modern day retelling of Sleeping Beauty? Is that, uh, if I were to just make an assumption that that's kind of an angle, you're taking a different approach to the fairy tale Sleeping Beauty? Well, you can say, you know, you can call it sci-fi, you can call it drama, you can call it a love story. Uh, but we also like, because there's references for, yeah, like the fairy tale you mentioned there. So, so we also like to, to invent our own genre in some way and call it a, a modern day fairy tale in some way. Fantastic. Uh, so, Mark, let me jump to you. Uh, you play Samuel, the lead character. When you were pitched the idea 
for uh, A Beautiful Curse. What was the first thing that came to your mind about the story and why did that inspire you to say, yes, this is something I want to take up? Well, it was incredibly visual when you got the script. It's incredibly image-based and Martin likes to work with these ambiguous images. So there's some things are suggestive and have implications. And that means for an audience, you can draw on many things. And I suppose you want to be involved in telling stories that have a heart, that are exploring these big themes of what is love that we all find mysterious, but also allows for interpretation. So there was some exploration in this. Like when we got to set every day, it was very much a feeling of let's see what we can get today. What What's the island giving us and what can we find? So that makes it an incredibly attractive project. And I hope it, that result means you create a film that is for the audience. Excellent. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And uh, we're speaking with uh, Martin and Mark. Uh, the, uh, the filmmakers behind the writer-director is Martin and the uh, lead actor is Mark Strepan from the film A Beautiful Curse. Martin, I want to jump back to you. You wrote and directed this film. For other people who are looking to come and see this film and are interested in what type of film influences they can, you know, you can say, oh, I like this film, so film comparisons. What sort of films would I personally be interested in that could draw me to come and watch A Beautiful Curse? Well, uh, that's, a, that's a really good question. Of course, if you're into uh, sci-fi, thriller, drama, uh, romance, vibes, uh, you know, uh, this could be a, a film for you. Uh, it's also a film which is in some way very poetic. It's also a, a, a sort of mood piece. There isn't much dialogue in the film. Uh, the, the pace is slower than you usually see in, in films uh, these days. And we are really thrilled that the, the film has been such a, a big success to, to a lot of uh, festivals all over the world. Mark, um, I noticed that you uh, won an Best Actor Award, as well as Martin. You've racked up several awards during the festival run. How uh, long is the festival run going to go for before people are able to see it in the cinema? Well, uh, first of all, right now, uh, there isn't set a release date uh, for the film to premiere on streaming and, uh, and cinemas yet. But the film will be on festivals uh, till the fall of uh, yeah, this fall. How do you feel having won all those awards? We are, of course, everyone extremely happy and totally blown away uh, for being, you know, on so many amazing festivals and also winning quite a few awards till now. So we are just very, very happy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, it's always lovely to have some sort of form of recognition of your work that it had some form, some of potency or something like that. So that's always um, great. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we're going to move on to another one of the winners. This time we're talking to Nani Li Yang from Beneath the Banyan Tree, which picked up Best Writing and Best Acting. Uh, hi, my name is Nani. I'm the writer-director of uh, the film Beneath the Banyan Tree that's playing in Paris International Film Festival. Excellent. Nani, welcome to the show. Um, t- tell us, what is um, Beneath the Banyan Tree all about? 
Uh, so Beneath the Banyan Tree is a film about a uh, Chinese-American immigrant family. Uh, so three generations that they came to the U.S. and how they adjusting the life uh, to a different uh, foreign land. And also how they deal with each other's expectation and the finding their own individuality. Uh, and it, what was the inspiration behind this film? Uh, so this film uh, was uh, kind of a very personal uh, story for me. Uh, my inspiration is that uh, since I moved to the U.S. as a Chinese immigrant, I kind of observe a lot of families and including my own and how we interact with each other. Especially I see uh, a lot of elderly Chinese move to the U.S. for their children, uh, but they can't even speak English at all. Um, so like I'm, I'm very fascinated about the dynamic uh, between uh, those people and then the culture, uh, including my the, my parents' expectation on me. And then I find that I want to share that because I find it's like a very universal story uh, that we all kind of try to seeking approval from our family, no matter what cultural background you are. So that's when I want to tell this story. That's excellent. I mean, it's it's clearly the fish out of water um, story where you have that immigrant family in America, uh, the 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 country that's founded on prides itself on welcoming immigrants, and then seeing the clash when immigrants go there. So that that's it's a very common story, and it's a very it's common because it's poignant. A lot of people tend to resonate with that that type of story. Um, what uh, other type of uh, films did you? Did you allow to influence you in the writing and the directing of this film? Um, that's a very interesting question. I kind of heavily influenced by uh, a couple of Anne family's story, like earlier Anne's work. And also uh, actually uh, American Beauty is one, but it's like a completely American uh, family story. Um, I kind of use this both from like a Chinese culture and the Western culture, two families store different film kind of influenced me and the, as inspiration kind of uh, combine them together to my own personal story. So I kind of bring both sides of the culture into one story. I was hoping that can kind of bring up um, a kind of sense of that no matter we are Chinese or American or whatever culture you grew up with, we are actually struggling with the same thing. Sorry, before we go any further, I just wanted to ask you, because I noticed something on your uh, website and I just want you to clarify or just let us know, what is your superpower, HSG? <laughs> uh, HSP? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a highly sensitive person. <laughs> so if reference as a highly sensitive person I kind of personally struggled that actually like um, I didn't know that was a thing it's kind of a genetic thing 20% uh, people have that and I grew up feel like an outsider <laughs> and that's kind of one of the reason I'm making movie because I find myself um uh, kind of see things or feel other people's feeling a lot um, and um, so I um observe the dynamic of my family people around me a lot and then that's where I uh kind of fascinated about movie <laughs> after viewing the trailer I noticed that the actual clash comes when 
the mother joins the daughter who's already in America. So is that where the movie has its focus on the clash between not only going to another country, but also from one generation going to live with another generation who has been living in a situation for far longer than she's been there and the expectations of the mother. Uh, yeah, uh, the story discusses a lot of um, of like uh, her, as you mentioned, that she has been, uh, the daughter has been living in the US for a long time and her she has a, her own way of living, her own lifestyle. So the uh, film is focusing on the mother trying to fit in into this new environment where everybody speak languages that she doesn't understand. And then at the same time that watching her daughter, uh, the way of her daughter living, it's kind of uh, not meeting the expectation of the culture, the Chinese culture, and then the struggle of a mother, um, how the mother kind of come to a accept, acceptance of all that. And uh, that's one of the thing I wanna discuss is like the greatest love uh, parents can give to their children is that when they uh, don't understand when they are scared of your choice, but they ultimately let you to be who you are. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And here is when we talked to Ben Charles Edwards, who was the writer and director of Father of Flies. And that film picked up the best score and best sound mix. And we have with us uh, the director of Father of Flies. He's going to tell us uh, a lot about uh, this film, which is uh, in the Paris International Film Festival. Please tell us your name and start off by telling us what Father of Flies is all about. Well, good to meet you both. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Ben Charles Edwards. I'm a movie director, writer and producer. Um, and Father of Flies is a movie I wrote. In fact, I wrote it as a child originally. It was based on my childhood. Of course, it, I didn't have the same demise and the, the absolute horrors that you'll see in the movie. I was going to say, I've seen the trailer, and if that's your childhood, then wow, you have you, you have come up nicely. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I took um, I took my dad to the test screening of it, and um, bless him. And then afterwards, he came up to me and he said, "Boy, I think you need therapy." <laughs> but I think that um, you know, it's like any cathartic process, a creative one. You know, it, it's a story about divorce and how a family. Um, Cracks start to show in this relationship. And from that, all sorts of horrors are bred. The name of the film, Father of Flies, I almost tripped up on uh, myself calling it Firefly because I love the show Firefly, but that's not what it is. And then there's Lord of the Flies, which also kind of crosses into it. Um, did any of, well, obviously not Firefly, but did Lord of the Flies have any influence on the titling of the film, Father of Flies? No, it didn't, but Lord of the Flies, I mean, I remember reading Lord of the Flies, William Golding as a kid. But, and, and ironically, one of my co-writers that I work with on a regular basis, he's, his father was the writer of High Wind in Jamaica, which was obviously the, I guess, a prelude in a sense. But Father of Flies is, the title in a sense becomes apparent towards the end of the movie um, as to why it's named Father of Flies. It's also something quite ominous and dark about the title. Um, brooding and I and I love that title um, but Father of Flies is also a name given to um, Beelzebub 
one of the demons of hell. So it's his nickname, but I just call him B, but um, some people call him Father Flies. <laughs> nice that you have that kind of relationship with him. <laughs> but you get on with both sides, and you, unfortunately. I guess, I guess. Um, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we have with us director, producer, writer of Father of Flies, Ben Charles Edwards. He's talking to us about the film. Is it safe to call Father of Flies a horror movie? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, 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 a, it's a horror. I mean, it's not a kind of a, a slasher. There's no cheerleaders getting stabbed in the breasts. It's not that kind of horror. But it's, it's a very psychologically driven horror that explores the damaging effects of when relationships break down. Horror, in a sense, is anything that the human soul finds horrifying, horrific. And some of the best horrors are bred from those ideas of uncertainty, the unknown, and the things that mean the most to us, which is the loss of loved ones, which is a family being ripped apart. All of these things are really good stems to start a horrific story. That's the reason why I wanted to clarify, because obviously it, when you watch the trailer for the film, it is clear that it comes from that sort of psychological uh, horror perspective, although there are elements that could lead you to, to see it as a like a ghost film or a ghost movie or uh, you know, a demonic possession type movie. Um, there's one bit in the trailer specifically, uh, and all I'm going to describe it as is just the, the uh, there's something under my bed. And that shot alone, that little bit in the trailer is done so well, definitely scary. For anybody who has kids who gets called into the, the kids' room to come and check for monsters under the bed, it's an, it is very impactful. I really enjoyed that particular part of the trailer. So as you said, this story was inspired by your childhood, by you growing up, but the style of the movie itself, what were your inspirations in terms of the style of Father of Flies? Um, first of all, Marcus, I love that you love that scene. That was kind of the, one of the best parts of me writing that moment. I thought, wow, that's, that's scary. That's really, really scary. The, the, the inspiration for the, for the style of the film, I was born in the 80s and... You know, as I say, this was loosely based on my childhood or my situation to some degree. I do believe I grew up in a haunted house. Um, I don't know if all your listeners believe in that, but I certainly think there was unexplained things that happened in that house. So the film has that element of an 80s aesthetic, slightly. Um, so I think that it was kind of a, an amalgamation of that and whatever we had available to us in New York on the time and the budget we had to shoot it. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze from Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And here is us talking to, I say us, producer Dave had the uh, pleasure with, of not having me in the conversation when he spoke with Maria Brendel and Nadine Luchenga uh, when they spoke about the short film, the Oscar-nominated short film, Take and Run, which won Best Cinematography for a short film. Yeah, and this one, you hear the entire interview at a later date, but here's a short clip. Ah, yes, because we didn't get the chance to play this on Resonance FM. Uh, so we'll play that episode at a, at a later date, just as producer Dave said. Hello, my name is Maria. I'm the writer and director of the film Alakachu Take and Run. We made a film about the topic of bright kidnapping. And my name is Nadine. Um, I'm a Swiss producer based in Zurich. Yeah, the film is about bride kidnapping in Kyrgyzstan. It's something like a marriage by force. 
and a real unknown topic for the rest of the world. So it was also for me a really unknown topic. So I heard about it after a friend of mine was in Kyrgyzstan for some weeks and he came back and told me about this bright kidnapping thing. And I was shocked that I never heard about something like this, especially when I learned how many girls and women are victims of this tradition. So um, as a filmmaker, it was clear to me, I want to change something and I can make a film and bring this topic out to the world. And I hope a lot of people will see this film so they know about bride kidnapping and they know about the fates of the girls and the women. Yeah, we are running for an Oscar now with this film. I'm super excited and happy. And uh, Nadine and I sat uh, in front of this Oscar nominee announcement screening and uh, we really screamed a lot because this is such a huge thing and it means so much to us. Nadine, how did you get involved in this project? Um, I got involved uh, when Maria talked to me about, uh, about her uh, movie idea and also about the fact of this bride kidnapping and I, as a Maria, I was not aware of it. So this was also like uh, it was a com it was it hooked me at uh, at once at the uh, so at, when 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 Maria told me the story it was, I was hooked immediately and um, and then uh, Maria um, sent me her first draft of the script and uh, it was very all it was already a very good draft and then we we started um, working together and. Um, Maybe a few months later, we started the financing process and um, yeah, then the journey began. How long did it take from start to finish to bring, you know, from the start of filming to the end of the process, post-production process to bring it to our screens? So the first time I heard about it was in um, September 2016. So this is some years ago. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we had a long, long ride doing research. I had to know everything about this culture and learn a lot of things and write an authentic script. So it was a long journey of research. Then um, we shooted the film in 2019 in Kyrgyzstan and we finished it in August 2020. So a lot of years and we're still on this film every day and now we're going to the Oscars. So um, it's uh, years, years of my life I spent with this film and uh, exciting years of my life, yeah. So you started shooting in 2019 and finished in 2020. So it was a long shoot. Right. No, we, we were just for one month in Kyrgyzstan with 13 shooting days. So not, not a lot of time. We had to be fast and, and hurry up. And we were in Kyrgyzstan in August 2019, August, September 2019, came back to Switzerland. And then a hard process of cutting and editing and film in a foreign language was very, very difficult. So it was not so easy to find an way to edit a film when you don't understand what the actors say <laughs> so it was a process of five months and then we got it in august 2020 so the actors you recruited locally they were all local so we had this language issues 
Um, not so many of them uh, can speak English. I can speak Russian or Kyrgyz. So it was a huge adventure to find the right uh, way to, to understand each other. So how did you get past all those difficulties? For me, it was uh, very important that some of the crew understand my language because we had to be fast. We can't always uh, have a translator like like for the cinematography, like the audio guy, something like this. We, we had to find a good way to speak to each other. So we brought them from Switzerland to, to talk about um, everything. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus Iaco. And I'm producer Dave. And we are now going to move to what was my favorite from this year, the documentary Sexplanation. Uh, we spoke with Alex Liu and Leonardo Neri, and this one, uh, Best Feature Documentary for Change. Before I introduce our guests uh, for this segment, here's the blurb uh, from IMDb for the film that they have in the Paris International Film Festival. To right the wrongs of his all-American sex education, a 36-year-old goes on a quest to uncover naked truths and hard facts no matter how awkward it gets. Uh, I'd like you to introduce yourselves and please tell us what a sexplanation is all about. Okay, so I, I am the 36-year-old, now 37-year-old in that, in that introduction. I'm Alex, I'm a science and health reporter uh, who frankly was kind of just fed up with the state of sex education in the United States and decided to see if I could find out for myself uh, and figure out how to deal with, with all the questions, shames, uh, fear around sex, and, and, and the result is this movie. My name is Leonari. I am the co-writer <laughs> and producer. Okay, so uh, this is, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be perfectly honest and perfectly candid. Uh, when I was going through the list and sorting out all the in interviews uh, for the show, this was the one that I wanted to interview the most. This is the one oh. I wanted to in, and I was like, you know what? I, I, from the name of the title of the film, A Sexplanation, straight away I was like, I'm intrigued. Um, it's like it's like the line from uh, from Django Unchained. It's like uh, you, you, you uh, what was the Leonardo DiCaprio line? I'm I'm gonna mess it up. Uh, you you had my intrigue. Now you have my attention. So, <laughs> Alex, you you came up with the idea. You you've mentioned both in the blurb and just now. You said that you were sort of troubled by the by sex education in America. Tell us what was troubling or what is troubling. Yeah, I, I would say that sex education in America, it's called sex education, but it's really more anti-pregnancy, anti-disease education, right? It's not really about all the questions that people actually have when, when they're discovering their sexuality. How do I make it feel good for myself and my partner? How do I make sure that things go, this goes well? You know, you know I, I think many people uh, now, especially with the internet, people understand pregnancy, they understand disease. Um, but what they don't understand is how do I deal with this, all these complex uh, interpersonal relationships that they have to now deal with and manage and how do they make it good for everyone? And it's scary when you come from a culture uh, that, that doesn't really want to talk about these things from a very, very early age, even when it's just naming body parts, right? Naming genitalia. Most parents kind of don't kind of gloss over that. You know, they'll talk about their eyes, the nose, the elbow, the knees, and then they just skip over a huge part of the a body that, that and, and you learn very early on that this is something we don't talk about. And I think those kind of uh, problems compound into, into when you, you actually are sexually active, then you, you, you have no idea what you're doing. You're fumbling in the dark and often just scared of your own sexuality because uh, no one's ever helped you process that. Yeah. Uh, Leo, what drew you to the project? 
Well, I mean, first was getting to work with Alex, uh, who's a, a great friend and also just such a, I think he's such a marvelous interviewer and um, was approaching the subject from a, you know, if you think about the state of sex education, it could be a very serious, very depressing topic. But um, I think Alex has a marvelous sense of humor and our, our sensibilities align. So it was a great opportunity to uh, work on something that could be very depressing and make it kind of uh, approachable, embracing the awkward, um, kind of really leaning into the, uh, the the sore spots and making light of it all just in the hopes of engaging an audience, which hopefully everyone watches it and feels engaged. Yeah, I think that definitely, I think, you know, I, before Leo came on, this project was much more of like a documentary, which I think it can be scary for people, feels like watching homework. And Leo was great to actually make a movie, make a film, make a story, make something that actually, hopefully people are entertained by first rather than just, it's just straight education. You know? The poster alone uh, for, the, for, the, for the film is, it, it basically tells the whole story of what this project is about. <laughs> uh, it basically, it's, it's you, Alex, completely naked, uh, sitting on a pile of books. <laughs> Uh, and it's it's it straight up. Uh, and I was in. I was like, yeah, that's good. It kind of reminded me of the uh, the Liam Neeson film Kinsey way back in the day. Where oh yeah, the, love uh, that film. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it I, I kind of dive into the same sort of um, issue that you encountered where you talked about the fact you mentioned that it's awkward. Um, so as someone who's dived into research, um, you've professionally dived into the research <laughs> as opposed to me who does it on my spare time. Uh, what, why is it an awkward subject to talk about? What, what makes sex an awkward subject to talk about? Yeah, I don't think it is necessarily inherently uh, awkward. I, I think it's something that's, you know, you know if, if in a different world, in a different universe, it could be beautiful, it can be a great way to learn about other people, to connect with people in your life, your loved ones. Um, but I think for a, a lot of different reasons uh, that, that we probably don't have time to get into, um, it, it's been something that has had to be controlled very tightly in order for a civilization to flourish, right? Uh, whether that's religion, you know, large governments, whatever it is. Uh, so, so there's never really been a, a, a push, I think, to talk openly and honestly about these things in a way that, that we actually need to in order to feel whole and healthy. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, and we're now jumping to the last interview that we did, or rather, the, the, we're jumping to the last film of one of the, of the winners in this episode. We're talking to the filmmakers behind the film that won Best Feature for Change, Silent River. Here was that interview. Hi, my name is Chris Chan Lee. I'm the writer-director of the feature film Silent River. And with us are two other uh, principals on our film, our lead actor and producer, Wes Liang, and our director of photography, Norbert Chia. Fantastic, welcome, Chris. Welcome, West. welcome, Norbert. Hi, thanks for having us. So Chris, let's start with you. Chris, okay. since you're the writer-director, tell us what your film, Silent River, is all about. Silent River is about a man who, who checks in at a remote hotel in the desert. He's on his way to reconcile with his ex, but while he's at the hotel, he encounters this other mysterious woman who's a guest at the hotel as well. And what begins to unravel is he gets very involved in, in her cause and her, her, her goals. And it starts to become a mind-bending film. 
about a man who is trying to re come to resolution with his past, but is also uh, learning new things about himself and these new relationships that he's forming in the, at this hotel. Uh, it, it becomes sort of a purgatory story, you know, and we play with sense of reality. We develop our own vocabulary and uh, a set of rules, and we really play with the expectations of the audience while we're telling this story about mortality, you know, and about reconciliation. You've mentioned uh, one bit in that I do want to come back to, but Chris, I will come back to that in a second. But Wes, I want to jump to you uh, first. So you collaborated with Chris on this project. What drew you specifically to the role that you're playing in this in this film? Um, well, what drew me initially, you know, on a macro level was just my, my enthusiasm and interest in working with uh, Chris. He's you know, one of the modern godfathers of, of Asian American cinema, and he's got a really, really interesting taste. Um, so it came from that uh, in, in a professional sense. Um, we've been friends, so there was a, a mutual interest in collaborating. Um, but once we identified the kind of story that we wanted to tell, um, which would be kind of a micro budget, something that we can, you know, get into without a lot of outside sources trying to uh, change the story, we wanted to uh, get into a story that resembles the kind of stories that got both of us into this industry of storytelling, which was bold, uh, which was uh, uh, experimental in some ways, but also potentially, um, I don't want to use the word groundbreaking per se, but something that can really um, impact a young mind out there watching a film and say, oh, I didn't know that movies could be this way. I didn't know that um, there could be, um, you know, a lead protagonist uh, who is Asian American, where the story doesn't touch upon identity issues. I didn't know that stories could time travel and, and things like that. And those were stories that we somehow both left during our profession because we wanted to go out there and, and you know, get on TV and make big films. But during that process, we all came back and Chris says, you know, I kind of want to go back to making the kind of films that really impressed me when I started out. And that got me thinking and that got me salivating. So um, that's why, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to jump to Norbert to ask uh, a question to him. But I want you, Chris and Wes, to, to you've opened the door. So I want you to start thinking of some of those films that you that influenced you. As you were developing as as filmmakers, and I will come back to you to get you to name check some of those. But Norbert, I want to throw to you as a cinematographer of this film. Uh, if someone was coming to had no idea what this film was about, uh, but they just wanted to come and see it from a from a director of photography point of view, from an aesthetic, just the visuals. What sort of influences would did you have? that basically that you wanted to use in this film that other people can say, right, okay, I like this, I like that, so I'm going to love the, this particular film. So what influences did you allow to influence this film from your perspective? Yeah, so a lot of our references came from possibly noir films. We were interested in noir. We were interested in a lot of still photography, kind of moody. Gregory Crutzen was a little bit in there for just looking at... Uh, spaces, um, Nan Golden, a little bit, Todd Hito. We were looking at this idea of the hotel and trying to give it a sense of character outside of just being a space that these these um, 
the film's protagonists inhabit. And it, it was also, also trying to look at it uh, as a space like purgatory that Chris mentioned. There's a journey of kind of the main character through various uh, you know, hero's journeys. So it does go through his mind and kind of changing it up in various ways. So I, I think that that was kind of that we had visually going in. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is Spotlight. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm joined by two two guests that we had on uh, this time last year in the 2021 Paris International Film Festival. Figure we'll bring them back on to tell us how things have been going with their film. I'll say this, your film was one of my favorites from last year, which is why I've been eager to get you guys back on. Let's get you to introduce yourselves. So whoever wants to go first, introduce yourselves and tell us the name of your film. Hi, thanks so much, Marcus. We're so excited to be here. I'm Serena Ryan. And I'm Ethan Itzkow. And we are the writers and directors, and Ethan is the star of High Score. And for those listeners who may not exactly remember or know what High Score is about, it follows a burgeoning white supremacist as he descends into an abyss of online radicalization and extremist conspiracy theories. Ethan, you just jumped straight in and got my first question. I was about to ask you. <laughs> it's like, just remind people who, who had the opportunity to see that film, uh, let us know what it was about. But thank you. And that was one of the reasons why I really liked it. It tackled a number of prevailing issues around the same time. Uh, and not just that, the visual technique uh, with a lot of very vibrant colors and bright, shiny, uh, it was like a sugar rush um, mm. watching that video. And I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so tell us, that, that was last year, Paris International Film Festival. How did you guys do at the festival? Oh, great. I mean, it was such a wonderful festival to be a part of. Um, I think if I remember correctly, that was our first international uh, festival that we were a part of. And it was right in the middle of, you know, the worst of the pandemic. So I remember being really grateful that Jenna um, was able to get everything running so smoothly in the virtual format. And to have such a really nice slate of films at the festival. Yeah, like such a powerful group of movies. Sorry to cut you off. No. uh, No, You guys guys just cutting each other off. No problem. Um, (laughs) It's all good. Absolutely. And that's what she's carrying on doing as well. Um, same thing with 2022. She's got a new batch of, uh, of, uh, of uh, filmmakers that have come on. Um, so after you did that International Film Festival, what happened with High Score? How, what, what happened after Paris International Film Festival for you and your movie? Yeah, well, wow, a lot. <laughs> yeah, the movie ended up going to many festivals around the country uh, and around the continent, actually, like the Oscar qualifying Holly Shorts Film Festival, the um, Canadian Screen Award qualifying Female Eye Festival, and it won quite a few awards. Um, just a few are uh, Best Short at the Chelsea Film Festival, Best Actor at the Chelsea Film Festival for this guy. Uh, as well as a Best Actor Award at the Queen's World Film Festival for Ethan. And a Best Thriller short from, I believe, the Culver City yes. uh, Film Festival, right. which is great. And um, a Stop Hate Award from the Immigration Film Festival. We've done quite a few wonderful um, Jewish film festivals. Ooh, so good, so yeah, good. Which are some of our favorite to participate in. And now, looking forward, um, we're starting to tour the movie 
to universities and colleges as part of their DEI programs. The film, like I said, really resonated with me. It, it, it was racking up. It, I saw it and I knew it was going to rack up prizes. Uh, mm. Ethan as well, it just, you just threw yourself into that project. It looked, it was deserved. You, you, the, the awards that you got, well, very well deserved. Um, I, I don't know if I asked this question last year. Uh, did you plan on expanding? I, I remember when I was talking to you about it, and you'd said that to actually get into the character and everything else, it was very taxing on yourself. And I think I may have asked you if you were planning on expanding it into a feature film. And if I remember correctly, this might just be in my head, that you said something along the lines of you weren't sure you wanted to put yourself through that again. But I'll ask you the question, are you planning on doing this as a feature film, expanding on the story of high school? Or are you feeling I'm done, I wanna move on to something else? So at least for me personally, if we did expand the concept into a feature film, um, both for industry necessity and my own kind of mental health, I think we'd go with uh, someone with a little, you know, someone else to play the main character. I don't know if I fully agree with that, but <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't agree. But uh, yeah, like it was it was pretty taxing to, to do that role, even for just a 15 minute short film. But and I don't want to speak for both of us, but we're feeling two years of the pandemic. Um, it's not like these types of events have lessened all that much. And we're feeling that our audiences and us especially could do for some comedy, uh, could do to laugh and to learn and to better themselves as people through comedy, a la the works of like Michael Schur. With that said, you know, not, nothing set in stone. And I, I think the idea of, developing high score further is always sort of bubbling in the back of our minds, but we are very lucky and grateful to have already moved on to several other projects. That's good. And we're going to, let's, let's move on to that in just a second. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm speaking with the filmmakers behind one of my favorite shorts from last year, High School, Serena Ryan and Ethan Itzkow. Um, go if you can find High School and check it out. I will ask you to, to let us know how people can get to watch that film. But you moving on to other things. You mentioned comedy, Serena. Let's start with you. What project have you? Have you if you're working together, that's great. Let us know what projects. What's the what project did you move on to straight after High School? So right after um, High Score, we started working on a short film called Jade which is written by and stars Luke Tenney from CSI uh, Vegas and Netflix's On the Verge, as well as Noam Shapiro, who actually played Jeremiah in High Score. So we produced that film with them. That's in post-production right now, and we'll be gearing up for its premiere soon. Um, uh, and that film is beautiful. It's yeah. really two tough New York men kind of bearing their soul about, about, a deep emotional problem. And really, if you want to get into it, to most people, a haircut is just a haircut. But to Freddie, the protagonist played by Luke Tenney, it could mean losing or winning custody of his baby girl. So it's like, it's a really nice introspective piece, a really nice explorative piece with, with some great comedy in it. Yeah, I'd say it's really hilarious and heartwarming and follows these two tough guys 
uh, through some much needed barber therapy as they reveal what I think are their very tender hearts. I was going to, I was going to say to you, a haircut is not just a haircut. And then you, you, know. went, through, you went very serious and said, well, you look this guy like, well, it's not that serious. Uh, <laughs> a haircut could determine whether I'm going to have a great day or not, but that, that takes it to a different level. Um, but that's great. So that's a project that you're both working on. You've now moved on from high school to that project. Um, let me ask this. You, these are two shorts, two excellent short films. Well, I haven't seen the second one, and I'm assuming with the same. It will be of, excellent. It will be yeah. excellent. I, I saw <laughs> high school. I was blown away by high school. So I know that there's. You're not going to be. It's not going to be a case of diminishing returns. It's going to be mm. getting better, right? You do something, yeah. you learn from your mistakes, and then you move on to the next project, and it'll be even better, and so on and so forth. So I know that this one is going to be great now um those are two shorts that you've worked on are you planning on going into features or is there a sort of a progression that's going to be leading in that regards that's yeah. such a good question um i would say our two main focuses right now are a television pilot that um, we've been workshopping and developing and that actually made it as a finalist in the sundance episodic lab and a comedic feature film that we're also developing at this moment you know if high score comes back around becomes a feature that would be killer right now we are focusing on putting that through dei programs at colleges universities and businesses uh but yeah that tv pilot and that comedic feature are, are kind of where we're going okay so now, now here's the thing now i've got you guys I, I i personally do this show for two particular reasons three reasons really i do it one because i enjoy talking about films and television uh, and i will spend hours doing that so this is basically my therapy session to be able to do that. That's one. <laughs> Second reason is basically to to build up my network of friends within the just friends in general because I have no friends, but friends who <laughs> have the same sort of you know in the same community, the filmmaking community. And third, it's to learn from filmmakers such as yourselves so that I can develop myself as a filmmaker. Now you mentioned that you just that, you know you mentioned Sundance Episodic Lab. Um, for those people who don't know what that is, tell us what a Sundance Episodic Lab is, and tell us how you guys got into it and give us advice on how we can get into it. Well, so I should just clarify that our project was not selected. It was a finalist oh, for, for, okay, the, okay, for the Sundance yeah. Episodic Lab, which is a program that takes a TV pilot um, and, and, and its writer and develops it, helps you develop it into either pitch ready or or production ready and so we were we made it right to the to the last round of consideration um which is actually fairly difficult i would say that you know if a hundred pilots get submitted one might make it as a final oh more. way more than that yeah. i think there <laughs> way, were like way, way more three submitted. or four thousand pilots submitted absolutely which is why to be honest as you, you got to the you got to the final to me that is essentially just that's that's already um it's sort of high praise for that particular project because if you have a just as you said the number of pilots that are out there not even just um independent pilots we're talking big studio pilots that are out there they never get made you hear about mm. um, there's um uh, what's his name the guy from uh from two and a half men the other half of of uh of Chi, not the other half but you know the Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, he's, he was in other films like I think Sweet 16 and a whole bunch of other films back in the 80s um, and he won in an interview he once said he's been he's, if he counts how many pilots he's been in it's probably been about 200 pilots before yeah. he got two and a half men so that's you know somebody who's actually in the industry and it's in it, you're not, you know it's not just independent pilots so for yours 
uh, for your pilot to get to the stage where it becomes a finalist in Sundance as well, because Sundance is huge. Um, yeah. it's, it's a, it shows a lot of your talent. So please don't put yourselves down uh, <laughs> for not having been selected. Um, no, so as, because one of the things I've, I've, I do want to go into TV. However, I know that the skill level and competence level is way beyond mine at the moment. So that's why I stick with films. What kind of advice can you give to people who, like me, may want to eventually progress into writing a pilot, uh, you know, that they can try and get looked at, commissioned, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say the number one thing is to tell a story from your heart and doesn't necessarily need to be the sum total of your experience. You know, we can all extrapolate using our imaginations and create new worlds, but definitely something that matters to you. Um, you know, we're still pitching this pilot. We don't want to. We don't want to spoil it every for everyone. But the pilot dealt with um, our experiences traveling around the world and how our minds became less America centric, and that's a big part of the pilot um, and a big part of our growth as people together was kind of broadening our horizons and broadening our minds to a more holistic experience of humanity. And we took that, that was very near and dear to us and made it into a story. And I think that that is a great first step. Find what's near and dear to you and find out how you can tell that story. Yeah, and one really great first stop um, for anybody who doesn't have like a facility with TV structure or any experience um, there would be Jamie Nash's book. Um, Save the Cat Rights for TV. Save the Cat Rights for TV. Yeah, thank you. Ooh, we've and had on the show. We've oh! Had, well, yeah, we, we've had Jamie Nash on the show. Um, love the book. I got the, uh, the audio book uh, of uh, Save the Cat Rights uh, for TV. We've, yeah, interviewed him, interviewed uh, this, uh, the other lady, names skip my head, but that was for mm -hmm. novels. That was for the YouTube channel that we're doing. But yes. Um, absolutely. And that is one of one of the reasons why I want to try and dive into into TV as well as writing a pilot. So great that I'm going getting inspiration from you guys as well. I'll get you guys on when you when you manage to land that deal with the TV pilot, please come back on the show and talk to us more about it. One last thing yeah. I just want to ask you guys, or two things actually I want to ask. First of all, yeah, you guys are alumni of the Paris International Film Festival. What advice do you want to give people who are currently uh, the films are currently lined up to be screened at the Paris International Film Festival for this year. Go to those virtual like meet and greets. Yeah. Jenna did an amazing job curating an experience for that festival. There was like a virtual cafe to go to and a virtual movie theater to go to and lots of Zooms where you could meet other people. And I just say, take advantage of that. And we all, I know it's like almost getting into calendar year through the pandemic. So Zooms are, are starting to be like the thing you don't want to do. But in terms of the Paris International Film Festival, they are what you want to do. Yeah, the, the festival doesn't stop when the credits roll. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly what I experienced as well, just going this, that online. I wish I'd actually in, in, in involved myself a lot more. Uh, but again, like you said, that was around the beginning of the pandemic. So it was like, nobody knows what's going on. So things were all over the place. Now, I, I'm basically locked at home. So basically, that's all I'm going to be doing from now. So, <laughs> yes. I'll just be living in those virtual cafes. But uh, absolutely. So um, then the final question, for people who want to know more about high score and, for, and to be able to see high score and other pictures that you've worked on, how can they do that? How can they follow you on social media? 
Yeah. So um, the best place to learn about the work that we do is at our website, which is schmefilms.com. I'll spell it out for the listeners because it's a, yeah, a very unique word. That's S-C-H-M-E-H films.com, uh, which links to our social media as well. And um, you can watch our first film, Cashed, on Amazon Prime, which is spelled like cash money, but in the past tense. Uh, that's also streaming on BitPix. So those are two places you can watch that. And as far as high score goes, um, it's not available to watch online yet. Uh, like we said, we're touring it through um, universities and colleges right now. So if your listeners are interested in seeing the film, I would say the best way to do that is to get in touch with whoever runs the DEI program at your school and, and get in touch with us, which you can do via the website as well. Yeah. And if you're part of any anti-racist uh, training work that you would like to bring in a multimedia component and talk about how anti-Semitism is like a pillar of white supremacy and how that affects all different types of people then yeah get in touch with us we'd love to come talk to you show the film and, and one thing that was really uh, poignant about high school and one of the reasons why i really liked it you did you did come at it from the perspective of anti-semitism but it could actually be any i mean the, the way the character sort of just falls down that internet rabbit hole um it could be for any sort of prejudice uh, whether it's anti-Semitism, whether it's uh, anti-Black Lives Matter, even now where we're talking about the anti-vaxxers and, and vaxxers yeah. and so on, it could be any subject matter. What is just that rabbit hole that you fall down and and, and it's just, that's what gripped me. And I, I, I want to go back and watch it again. I honestly do. Because while it was such an intense experience, it had such a sugary candy floss um, <laughs> aesthetic to it which yeah. just, it, it's, it's so memorable. And you guys did great work with it. I can't- oh, thanks, man. I'm so glad you picked up on that. And I'm going to give a shout out to our cinematographer and also the man who did the brilliant final pass edit on that film, Jorge Arzak. Who is also the director of photography for Jade, the, the, the Barber Therapy short film. So you can expect some killer shots in that as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Let's see, like I said, you know, it just, you're going on from- from strength to strength and we we i'm glad that i know you now from the ground level so that as soon as you guys in five years time are up there receiving your your i was gonna say golden globes but we don't want to say golden globes your oscars <laughs> you know you're getting getting the oscars the awards you know you can give us a name check and we can come out and say yeah we know those guys it's okay so excellent oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. thanks man serena ethan thank you very much for joining us uh we'll post this everywhere that we can so people can see high score as soon as they can uh thank you for joining us we'll speak to you pretty soon Brilliant. Always a pleasure, Marcus. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. And that was my conversation with Serena Ryan and Ethan Itzkow talking about what happened after they had submitted their film High Score to the Paris International Film Festival last year. Really enjoyed talking to those two. Uh, you, you could tell that I was having so much fun just having a conversation with them. We're definitely going to be having them back on uh, for more conversations, more extended conversations about all their projects. Uh, and I know in the next 10 years, they will be household names. Um, I want to take this uh, moment to thank everybody who has taken the opportunity to listen to our episode. I rant quite a bit. and I, I, I always like to apologize to Producer Dave because Producer Dave is stuck. I don't know what he did in a past life <laughs> because he's stuck listening to me ramble for ages about films and stuff. And I want to thank all of you. If you're still listening at this point, well done. Thank you very much. Um, for staying in and listening to us talk about films and television shows 
I want to thank Resonance FM. As I always say, I want to thank them for not listening to our show because the moment they listen to the show, they will cancel us. And so thank you for not listening and keep giving us the opportunity to keep rambling on about various films and television shows. You have been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Ako. And I'm still producer Dave. Thank, thank you very much for listening. And speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.